Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of our season preview series on the College of Basketball Bonanza. Nicholas Hodel, Dominic Stern with me as always. And Dom, the time has come because we're trying to cover all 32 conferences. We don't have a limited time to do it. Welcome to two shows, my friend. Yep. We love mid-majors on the Basketball Bonanza, and we know that you do too. So we look forward to bringing you two conferences per show. Uh, I know that Nick will explain the details in a bit, but I look forward to it. Yeah, and of course, the big deal is that we only have, what, four weeks now until the season pretty much? I mean, the excitement is getting extremely, it's up there now. And of course, we don't have time to go one by one the conferences you need to the next four weeks to get to our 32 conferences. So we're to go to, to a show. And maybe even later on, we couldn't even get to three. We'll see where all that takes us. But we do know is that today we have the Atlantic 10 and the Mountain West conferences to cover. And we're going to start out with the Atlantic 10. And last year, this was Dayton's conference by far and away, thanks to Obi Toppin and Jalen Crutcher going 18-0 in the Atlantic 10 conference in the season, 29-2 overall. Richmond was second in line of 14-4. Rhode Island, St. Louis, St. Bonaventure, and Desquinas are all right up there as well, trying to compete for seeding, top seeding in the Atlantic 10. They were trending toward getting two bids with Dayton and also Richmond getting talks of being on the bubble. And that, that of course, was in line with 2019, thanks to St. Louis winning the 810 tournament. And they just seem to always be a conference that likes to get multiple bits, and they've done so ever since 2005. That was the last time the A-10 was a one-bid league. So when we get into our two shows and perhaps future three shows, we're going to cut our, our time to what we think will be our top five. And, of course, we'll post our top six in order on our Twitter, at College Bonanza, so do feel free to check that out in the days coming and we're going to start with a team that i like in the top three perhaps you're not so as, as much high of them we'll start off with dayton and i think the biggest question with the flyers is what's next after obi toppin right you already mentioned jalen crutcher he is returning now we knew that obi toppin is not returning he will be probably a lottery pick in this nba draft you know good for him he's going on to bigger and better things in the 810 basketball but they're only returning one other starter for this team outside of Jalen Crutcher, and that's Ivy Watson. Uh, he also averaged 10 points per game, so they're still getting some production from him. But they're losing a lot of starters from their backcourt, or sorry, from their frontcourt, and I don't know how that's going to end up playing for this team. Uh, there are other teams in this conference that had good years last year that are returning more players uh, than Dayton this year, so I'm going to ride with them over Dayton a bit this year. And I think that the front court, the biggest thing with them is that they're going to stay out of foul trouble, and particularly one of their bigger guys in the team, 6 for 11, Shorty Chamanga. He will have to stay out of foul trouble, and if that isn't the case, of the little redshirt junior, Chase Johnson. And the ceiling of this team is going to be determined by the front court. Uh, I just think that there's definitely uh, some good things to, to discuss with Dayton on that especially in Chibongo, who can be an efficient offensive player. We, he saw that in his limited time that he got last season. Um, I, would, I would like to believe that he will step into that bigger role and thrive. 
staying out of foul trouble will be the big key, be the big key there. Uh, and then Chase Johnson, uh, he will have to step up, particularly if Jamalka cannot stay out of foul trouble. It's a really solid backcourt, and you can't forget about perhaps one of the defensive guys on that backcourt, Rodney Chapman. He is going to be someone that is going to have to be a bigger impact defensively. He is sort of the defensive glue in that backcourt, and he is going to have to really get in there with Crutcher and with Watson to form a solid backcourt, and it's experience in that backcourt. I value that, uh, and pretty much all of these teams have experience in the eight and they're going to get a mention. And so I do like this team to push for a top three and see where things lie. I mean, obviously the front four is going to be their biggest question mark, but I actually do like uh, what I see out of that. And I think that they could potentially push for a top three, um, maybe not for the eight ten title, but I absolutely think that the flyers will be flying towards the top of the HM. Um, Judge Quinnex, obviously some, a team that you like more than Dayton, putting them in third experience and explosiveness. They have the two E's. Right. They're returning their top four scores from last year. Another reason why I put them in over Dayton. And they're returning people from both their backcourt and the frontcourt, which is something that Dayton can't really say in terms of starters. So, Duquesne, they, they struggled in conference play last year, especially in terms of their non-conference play. I think they were one of the last four or five teams that remained undefeated in the country last year. So for them to finish in the middle of the pack last year in the A-10, yeah, it wasn't exactly great. They ended up going 11-7. This is a tough conference, as you already mentioned. Uh, always a couple of teams in the tournament. And the middle-tier teams are normally uh, teams that are in and, about, in and around the tournament as well. I could see them pushing up to be a top three team in this, in this, uh, in the conference this year. And one of the bigger things is that it's their front court that uh, takes the headlines here. The tandem of Marcus Weathers, Michael Hughes. They are a bit undersized, but they have plenty of athleticism. Battle make up for that. One of the better defensive guards in the entire conference is Sincere Curie, uh, someone that nearly had a two to one assist to turnover ratio. That's a big as well, five point three assists game last season this is a team that that's not going to take a lot of fine tuning which i think that could push them into the top five at the very minimum um so they don't have to do a lot of fine tuning especially uh with limited practices because of the pandemic that's going to be a big positive they're going to have two key areas they have to improve on the three-point percentage that wasn't very uh uh, ideal for them last season as we turned to the numbers. Um, it was one of those deals to where they were outside the top 200 at 31.8%. And also defensive rebounding, they allowed a 30.5 offensive rebound percentage on defense, almost out of the top 300, 291st nationally. There are some areas where they did excel, but I still think they're going to have to do a little more work to get up there, uh, and I'm not sure if it's going to be a top three necessarily for them, but I like them to finish at the very minimum in that top five. They have plenty of good guys. It's a team that's very deep with plenty of offensive threats, and that's obviously a good sign. We go to St. French. We both like them to finish fourth. There's one guy for me that this team needs, uh, but this is still an extremely dangerous team. 
Yeah, they're, they're going to be a good team, and they were a decent team last year as well. The Bonnies, they're always right in the mix of it. They finished fifth place in the A-10 last year, so we see them taking a little bit of a step forward. Uh, they're also returning some experience. They're going to bring back three ten. They're going to bring back three players who averaged 10 points per game last year, two guards, a forward, and then they're also bringing back center, Osin Osinidi. I think I totally botched that name, but it's a tough one. But hey, he's a big center, and as you already mentioned, you know, in the A-10, typically backcourt heavy. So to have a big center returning for St. Bonaventure is a big thing for them, and I think they'll be right at the top of the A-10 once again. Yeah, and it's uh, Oshun Oshuni. Um, that's going to be someone, and this is the team that without him, drastic effects were had on this team. Uh, that is something that they are going to have to really work towards uh, a team that you really had someone that could rebound, someone that could play defense really well. And it's just one of those deals to where without Oshu, this is a team that was one and six in those seven games. 18 and five with them. Um, total rebound percentage, that was better 10% difference there. Block percentage, a 7% difference. Uh, the net points per p- uh, possession, about uh, 25 hundredths. There's all kinds of differences um, that this team had with and without him. Um, so basically, the point I'm making there is that this team absolutely needs. Uh, Oshun, Oshuni, if they're going to have any chance of getting into this top five. Kyle Lofton, for sure, at the point guard. Uh, but nice compliment that they have with their juniors, Dominic Wells and Taryn English. Those would be a few guys that are going to be complimenting Lofton very well in that backcourt. And this is a very uh, dangerous team. They're deep, they're talented, they're experienced. Those three ingredients are usually pretty key in college basketball. And I really think that this is a team that we could be talking about even next year in a higher position of the St. Bonaventure team. Uh, I, I think that there are some really good pieces coming here for this team. And I do like them to be at the very least in that top five. And, and here's the bigger key, Dom. They have all these juniors, hardly any, no, no seniors. Four juniors and a projected starting five, and plenty of juniors behind that can play some good minutes. There's there's absolutely no way that this team is done after this season. There's definitely a lot to like here about just what they have because it's not a ton of senior experience, but experience nonetheless here, Dom. Right. And I don't think there's a huge difference between junior experience and senior experience. There, there is a little bit, but uh, anytime you bring back guys who have played multiple years under the system, you have a distinct advantage. And if St. Bonaventure can keep their core going forward, they're certainly a team to watch out next year as a possible A-10 champion or even at-large bid. And their core is really good now. Um, it may not be enough to get over the hump of, over Richmond and St. Louis, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But all these juniors, it's just going to be a matter of if all of them comes back for next year, because imagine how dangerous a team could be in the next year. We've got another year experience on pretty much everybody. It's going to make for a ton of fun and perhaps in a situation where you don't have to do a ton of recruiting because you keep pretty much most of your team. And that's going to be a big deal for the Bonnies going forward. We'll go to St. Louis here. We both like them second. 
with an elite backcourt and a pretty solid frontcourt. Right. I mean, I feel like these are the two obvious picks with the conference, uh, with Richmond at one and then St. Louis at number two. St. Louis, they're returning their top four scores. It's the team that won the A-10 tournament just two years ago. You mentioned that at the top of the show. Now, the thing is, is a reason that why a lot of people are putting Richmond above St. Louis is outside of their top four scores, the team struggled mightily offensively. So St. Louis, key to their uh, the key to their success is going to be staying out of foul trouble with the starters. That way they can keep their scores on the floor as much as possible. It doesn't have to be all four. It just has to be, you know, two or maybe even three at a time. Uh, they're they're going to be an elite team within this conference. They're, they're going to be right up there with Richmond, maybe suffer a couple of losses. But these matchups between St. Louis and Richmond are going to be insanely entertaining. And they have two proven scorers as well, Jordan Goodwin and Javante Perkins. That duo is going to be uh, very, very lethal. And you have guys that can also open up the offense, which is obviously going to be very important for pretty much every team. One got such guy, uh, sophomore Gibson Jermitson. Uh, he will be someone that will be opening up the offense a bit more and can shoot the three as well, nearly 43%. In the front court, there are some question marks. Um, the center spot will probably be a little weaker than what they would like. Um, sophomore Jimmy Bell Jr. will probably be the guy that takes into that average about 14 and a half minutes a game last season. Uh, and so you're going to have to uh, work around him. And he was really someone that projected, um, protected uh, Hassan French from foul trouble. Uh, Abbott's a double-double, really solid player. Uh, but getting someone into that center spot will be the key. For St. Louis, what led their revival, because this is a team that had been improving over the course of Travis Ford's tenure, not a very good 16-17 season, and you saw gains over 2018-2019. But the big difference um, from um, last year or two years ago was the shooting department. Something that we had seen is that in 2017, 18, and 19, those three seasons, the effective field goal percentage was 47%, 47.1%, 46.7%, all outside the top 300. Last season, they make the gains to have 50.1% effective field goal percentage in the top 150 nationally. And that is what has led the revival of this team from being someone that can be in the middle of the park to a team that can be really good. And they have the proven scores. Um, and Jimerson opened things up. And Hashan French is a really solid player himself to be in a four or five spot. Uh, if they can increase their shooting, the Bellicans can definitely win the A-10 title. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And after the news of Nick Schrute's ACL injury for Richmond, I think the gap is actually going to be tighter than what we had imagined it, uh, at, the start of the, at the start of the week. Um, before we go into Richmond as a whole, how do you think a Shrewd's HO entry is going to impact the team? I think it's going to have a big impact. I mean, they're, they're a deep team. They're returning all five starters. So losing, of course, one of them is going to hurt, but they're set up for success either way. It's obviously going to hurt them. You know, this sets you up for a potential loss to a team like St. Louis that we've already highlighted. Can we just talk about just for one second how awesome some of these mascot names are, the Billikens, the Bonnies, the Dukes. I mean, you got the Wildcats, but the Flyers, the Spiders. I mean, the A-10 is just awesome. 
And there's so many competitive teams at the top. And even the middle of the conference isn't even that bad. I mean, you're looking at VCU at eight and 10 last year. And they finished in like eighth, just taking a look at the conference. So uh, th- this conference is going to be very competitive. Losing losing Schrute is going to be a, a big loss, but I think that uh, that Richmond is certainly capable of making up for the fact that they will be playing without him. And if you folks listening, stay with us the next couple of weeks. We got a ton more of this mascot thing came from because there is some really good uh, mascot names that if you go deeper down the mid-major list. Uh, now, for Richmond as a whole, um, it's a very solid team. Someone that, that brings back a conference defensive player of the year. Front court's pretty solid. I'll let you go ahead and take it away here with that. Right, and I also think they're going to have the A-10 player of the year with Blake Francis. So th- this team, they finished in second place last year, only behind Dayton, who, of course, we highlighted was one of the best teams in the nation. Didn't lose once in the Atlantic 10 Conference, so you can't even hold Richmond to that. Returning their starting five, you know, we just mentioned that they'll be losing Shrew, but uh, Richmond, the, they're, they're set up for a very good year for themselves. Uh, there's a very good chance they could finish in first place in this conference. Like we already mentioned, there are some good teams in this conference that'll give them a run for their money. They're going to have to earn it. It's not like Gonzaga. Uh, it's not like, you know, some of those teams where we think they'll be at the top, uh, but we know they'll be at the top. We think Richmond will be at the top. They're going to have to earn their way as that number one seed in this conference. And I'll do you one better for my pair that your projection, that is going to be a, uh, probably point guard Jacob Gilliard, um, first team all conference and the defensive player of the year last season. Someone that can really uh, be exceptional, an elite player in the conference. What can you do for an encore? I think that's going to be the big question. He can shoot the ball really well, takes advantage of his opportunity in the free throw line. That is someone that can really uh, um, step in, provide an overall game, and just be really, really good. Uh, blank branches, um, impossible of um, Andre Gustafson. They will have some minutes along with them. Um, Francis will probably be at the two. Um, and and, and Gustafson even more, perhaps maybe at the three spot, given that Shrew's ACL injury takes him out for the year, um, sadly. And, and it's a team that, even without Shrew, I still think they are the favorites to win this conference. Um, I just think that the, that the gap now becomes tighter uh, because when you get into some of your reserve, you have Andre Gustafson that can do a good job. Um, Connor Crabtree could be in for a few more minutes than he had originally planned for uh, this season, the red shirt sophomore. Um, he'll, he, he's healthy. He's back from after going uh, through two hip surgeries, someone that can uh, strengthen the depth, and he will be needed, especially after his injury. I still think Richmond are the favorites here. Uh, it's it's still a pretty solid team as a whole. They have the depth. They have guys that can play in the front court. KO and Gordon and uh, Golden come to mind. And I still think that Richmond, the Spiders, can definitely uh, get their uh, web built at the top of the A10 uh, pretty quickly. Now I know. <laughs> now um, is is there a way for this conference to remain a multi bid conference this season? Yes, I think St. Louis is certainly a team that is capable of only suffering a couple, a handful of losses within the A-10 and playing well in non-conference. And this conference has established a reputation to where it's a deeper uh, mid-major conference. So if you play extremely well in conference play, 
even like a team like Richmond did last year, but they only suffered four losses, played well in the non-conference. I feel like a team like St. Louis is certainly capable of doing that. Even with the less non-conference games, I think that they will be a two-bid conference once again. It's going to have to rely on, on St. Louis. Um, you, you could make the argument for a third, but I don't think that's going to happen. And it's because of less non-conference opportunities. The A-10, the Mountain West, which we'll talk about next, these are the conferences that rely on getting as many non-conference games as possible and making sure they get a few good ones in there as well to get their second bid. Now, I think this year there are going to be some challenges in evaluating the teams in some of these conferences that could be multi-bid, could be one bid. And I actually think the A-10 could take a penalty because of that. Um, it's not to say it won't be a multi-bid. I think they will get Richmond and St. Louis in there. But it is going to be one of those things to where in a mostly conference schedule, you better make sure you get at least one non-conference good game and win that game uh, to be uh, in a prime position to be considered on the bubble. That's something to where as we get the updated non-conference schedule starting to trickle in, and there are, there are a few schools that are starting to release their updated non-conference schedules. Richmond, St. Louis, they're going to need to uh, get some a, a few good opportunities. And don't forget either that this is a conference that has become a prime bid-stealing opportunity. We saw St. Louis do that in the last A-10 tournament. Um, that, um, you know, beat VCU and then run the, and then run the gauntlet to earn the 13th seed. And the A-10 is a conference where that is possible. Because it's not just the five teams you talked about. I mean, teams like Davidson may be able to get, get their way up there. We both projected them six. VCU, never doubt the Rams. They're the team that usually tries to make some, stride, some strides. And if, if Richmond or St. Louis go down, and or in this case, wouldn't be shocked at all if that happened, by the way. A-10 could be a prime base dealing opportunity. It just depends on you know, the strength of his non-conference schedules for both of those teams. And I'm very interested to see just how that goes along. Yeah. And also Rhode Island is going to be another one of those teams that will be a bid stealing possible team. Now they don't have coach Hurley there anymore, but they still have Fats Russell and this will be his senior year. So it'll be his last time playing. So he's going to know when the A-10 tournament comes around, every game I'm playing could be my last game and he's going to want to go out. He's going to be motivated he was their leading scorer last year. So we'll see if URI can make, make a little bit of a run towards this, uh, this conference because we, we certainly agree that the talent on this team has fallen off. Uh, they finished in third place in the conference last year. They won't be as good this year, but th- who knows? URI has been a good program as of late. And, and, of course, the A-10, it's one of those conferences to where one of the better mid-majors in the country. Now we take our – Coverage out West. We go to the Mountain West Conference. Last season, San Diego State, one of the best teams in the entire country, a team that nearly ran the table in the Mountain West, 17-1, and and they were 26-0 overall until they lost to UNLV at home in one of the final games of the regular season. And, of course, the Mountain West provided us with one of the most memorable um, events of the uh, truncated bracket season 2020 in the Utah State San Diego State final. 
fantastic game uh, to watch on all fronts. I know the old San Diego homerism is coming on strong for Don right now, shaking his head, but it still was a game to remember in the Mountain West. Uh, and a conference that will definitely sort of stay status quo, uh, but we do differ a little bit in our top five projectors. I'm going to start with you. Uh, you think Fresno State might get their way in there? Yeah, and we were talking about this before the show, and I'll just echo what we said. There's a clear one and two in this conference. There's a clear three and four. Outside of that, it's really up for grabs for anyone. And I slotted with Fresno because they are returning one of their top scorers in Orlando Robinson, and they had a deep team last year. Now, I know that you're going to say Boise. My argument against Boise is they lost a ton of their players around Derek Alston Jr., will also be returning. So you really got to choose between Orlando Robinson and a couple other players and Derek Olson Jr. And that's really about it. I sided with Fresno. Last year, they had a deep team, a bunch of guys that averaged around five points per game, you know, gave them quality minutes off the bench. Not all of them are returning, but they are bringing some of them back. So they've, this team has already played together a little bit more than Boise State has. They also got a transfer from DePaul. Devin Gage, he averaged only four points per game, but he only played 16 minutes per game. And that was in the Big East. So now he's coming over to a significantly worse conference in the Mountain West. I think that you could see him playing some more minutes and give uh, give Fresno some more production. So I'm going to slide Fresno State in at the fifth spot. I Am I too confident on this pick? No, but like I said, there's the three and the four teams. And then after that, you could really go anywhere. Uh, and, and I'll go with my differ here, and that's Boise State. And not only is this team top five quality, I think they are the quality to slide in right behind San Diego State and Utah State. And that starts with Derek Olson, someone that was a national finalist for small forward of the year, uh, someone that provided a ton of quality. Um, and, of course, uh, ranked in the top 15 in the conference in six different categories last year. Definitely someone that can make a big impact in his final season. Uh, Portland transfer Marcus Shaver. He will provide um, instant three-point shooting and can come in and just provide that. All West Coast Conference member in the first two years that he had in Portland. Definitely someone that can make a big difference. Uh, outside of those two guys, though, this is still a very solid team. Ray J. Dennis, uh, someone that... Coach Leon Rice now to Blue Ribbon uh, for his improvement and his big jump. And I definitely like uh, um, what he could provide. And you also have a few other guys that can definitely take a big step as well. Um, Abu Kajab, someone that can make a, a, a big difference. And also East Tennessee State transfer allowed in Armas. So biggest thing here, this is a versatile team and they have depth as well. Uh, now, how much will Olsen take over? I think that's a big question to ask as well. And also you have um, Shaver who should slot in right into the starting five, I think almost straight away. He's going to be one of the most important players for his shooting ability. There's a lot to like here. I think the backcourt could end up being one of the better backcourts in the entire conference. It's just what can the frontcourt provide? And I think it's actually not a half bad uh, frontcourt. And I definitely see Boise State as being a team that can uh, get up there in, in the Mountain West. And I think they are poised uh, for a pretty special season in Boise State terms. Right. And 
I think the biggest loss for them, the biggest question mark is, is who's going to replace Justinian Jessup. He was one of the best three-point shooters in Mountain West history. And a large part of Derek Alston's game is driving to the hoop. And when someone closes out on him, he's a very good passer. He would oftentimes kick it out to Jessup, and then he would knock down the three. They don't have that this year. So they're going to have to find someone to step up when Alston Jr. gets tracked down low. Uh, who's he going to pass the ball to? Who else is going to make plays happen for Boise State? Like you mentioned, they do have some returning pieces. So they'll be fine. Uh, they're, they're just going to be a few question marks around them because anytime a team goes to Taco Bell Arena, you know it's always tough. So because, one, it's Taco Bell Arena, and two, the Boise State fans are very rowdy. So uh, we'll, we'll see how Boise State looks this year because uh, they're, they're certainly going to be around that middle tier in the Mountain West. They can certainly pass Fresno, though. I would insert a Taco Bell joke here, but I'm not going to for the sake of both of us and our listeners. Uh, so let's let's go down to the four teams that we think are going to be in that top five that both of us agree on, uh, just in different placements here um, for some of these teams. And one of those is um, Colorado State. There's a big rebounding gap they're going to have to replace them last year. How do they do that? Well, that, 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 is, the, that is the key figure because their center is not returning. They're a very backcourt-heavy team. They're going to rely on shooting the ball, and that's something that they did fairly well last year. They're returning four of their five starters, of course, just mentioned losing their starting center. So they're going to be losing a lot of uh, a lot of depth there in the front court. Now, one player to watch for for Colorado State is Deshaun Thomas. He averaged three points per game and two rebounds per game in nine minutes per game as a freshman last year. Now, with a year under his belt, is he going to take a step forward? He's going to slot in in that front court for them. I think that he could be a big part of the reason why Colorado State takes a step up last year because I do have them in fourth. They finished in sixth place last year. They did go 11-7 and seven in conference. We'll see. The Rams, they're, they're normally a middle-of-the-pack team in this conference. I see them being around that the same this year. But they could move up into a possible Tier B team or Tier 2 team uh, this year because they are they are returning a ton of experience this year. Uh, and Isaiah Stevens, the Mountain West freshman of the year last year, he comes back as well. Uh, he is going to be someone that is going to have to experience the learning curve of being a top target for opponents. Did very well in the second half of the Mountain West schedule when you do face teams a second time, uh, but I definitely think every team that can be uh, focusing on trying to limit his production. Uh, no seniors on the team, so perhaps you know talking about next season as another possible contender in the conference. Uh, and you mentioned Thomas; it'll be between him and David Roddy. I think that'll have to replace the rebounding of Cravacho, who is gone um, this season. Uh, so my big question marks: Can the defense improve? Uh, could the possible offensive gains overshadow some? deficiencies on defense that this Rams team has. There's just so many questions that I have with this team. Um, and I think it's because of those questions alone that I uh, slot them in the fifth position. You have them about a, another spot higher than that in the fourth spot. I just think there's a ton of questions here. And it's proves the same reason why you perhaps aren't as high as Boise State, but I uh, am not as high as you on Colorado State. Uh, still in a similar position until uh, the bottom half of the top five, which is never a bad place to be. But I just think there's a lot of question marks. Um, and I think that 
it's going to be uh, Stevenson's team to really uh, take over. And, and it's a team that will definitely be pushing this season to get in a good spot and try to get a nice, solid foundation for next season. And now we move ahead to UNLV. They have the top returning score in the Mountain West, uh, but there could be some deficiencies in their depth. Yes, they are losing a lot of key players from last year's team, but they do have Bryce Hamilton. And as we saw last year with the San Diego State loss, um, Bryce Hamilton is certainly capable of taking over any game. He can go to the hoop, he can pass, he can shoot the three. He can really do it all. He's definitely going to be a favorite for Mountain West Player of the Year. Not my pick, but he is definitely an elite scorer in the Mountain West. They also have five three-star recruits coming in. They were the recruiting leaders for this conference, if I believe I'm correct. So they're bringing in a ton of players. How many of those guys will come in and step up as freshmen? We will have to wait and see. But UNLV, they were one of those teams last year that – they would lose some really bad games, but they beat Utah State. They beat San Diego State. I think they're probably the only team in the conference that can say that they beat both those teams, and they are because they were only San Diego State. They're uh, the only other team outside of Utah State to beat San Diego State. So UNLV, they can beat anyone at any given time, but we have also seen uh, them go on serious scoring droughts from last year, and I think that we'll be seeing a lot of the same uh, from last year. They'll be able to compete with those teams like Utah State, San Diego State, but their lack of depth when they get in foul trouble. Shaq uh, Mbake Diong, versatile player, but when he was in foul trouble, UNLV sucked. So we'll we'll see what type of UNLV team shows up on a on a every given day. And I think the way that they play early on in the season is going to really set the tone for UNLV because they're one of those elite Mountain West programs that is always there at the top. They, they've recruited five-star players in the past. And we'll, we'll see what type of UNLV team we see early on in the season. Uh, and UNLV, I, I think that their starting five will definitely something that is going to be a, a, a big threat because Bryce Hamilton and South Dakota State transfer David Jenkins – um, I think they are probably one of the best, if not the best, one-two scoring punches in the entire conference. Someone that can definitely, uh, you know, sort of balance things out in that backcourt. And it's, it'll be interesting to see how defensive approach the Hamilton-Jenkins combo should Jenkins still be as prolific in the scoring. Who do you plan for? What kind of system do you have to uh, counter those two? That's going to be very interesting. Young has the, the senior leadership of this program. And it's a team that it's going to have to really go off of the Hamilton-Jenkins combination because it's not very deep past that, I'm afraid. It's a team that is going to have to uh, – they're going to have to really uh, get some minutes out of starting five uh, and some very big minutes, in fact. And that may be a big concern for the Running Rebels going forward. This season, though, I think is going to be one of their better opportunities to get into that top four, top three with Hamilton and Jenkins. It's one of the best one-two scoring punches in the entire conference. And it's going to be a nightmare for opposing defenses to have to game plan for, especially if both of them are on the top of their game. And I would suspect that Jenkins will at least carry over some of the scoring that he had with the Jackrabbits at South Dakota State. 
I definitely like this team to be at the very minimum top five. I like him four. You like him third. A team that can definitely sort of push up there. Uh, but we are pretty consistent on Utah State and San Diego State as the top two. And we'll start with the Aggies of Utah State where the front court leads this team. Yes. Now they are losing Sam Merrill from last year. He's arguably the greatest player in Utah State basketball history. Uh, great shooter, great ball distributor. He made that game-winning three-pointer. That uh, At that point, I really thought that uh, that was when San Diego State's season was you know, coming to a crash, not, not, not necessarily a crash, but uh, you certainly saw the dreams of possibly being a final four team uh, certainly die at the hands of Utah state. Uh, he, he was a great player. They're going to find, they're going to need to find a lot of ways to replace him. Now they do have some very good returning guards in Justin Bean and Brock Miller, Brock Miller. He's not necessarily a playmaker, but big, tall guard, He's athletic. He can go and rebound. He can shoot. Not not the best to look at, but he uh, he's a great basketball player. That's what really matters. And not to mention the big guy, the big man they're returning, Niamas Keita. Uh, he tested draft waters, decided to come back. He's going to return for one more year. He struggled with health issues. Now, he was able to play both games against San Diego State, but his minutes were limited all season. How was Keita going to play this year now that he's coming back healthily uh, he's getting a little bit longer of an off season as compared to previous years how's that going to affect his play he is going to be my conference player of the year pick uh, he's certainly one of the most dominant centers that uh, I, I've watched in recent years in terms of just absolutely going out and dominating on every given night and yes of course that's given the uh, given the amount of talent he's going up against there are certainly better centers in the in the country. Uh, last year especially, but uh, the competition that Cato was going up against, he was just dominating them. So if he can stay on the court, I think Utah State's easily going to be a top two team in this conference because he really carries this this front court. And Cato, he's my pick as well. He is someone that is the best of this team. And him alongside of Justin Bean were both all conference defensive team members last season. And I think they are both capable of being on the all-conference first team this season. I, that is the best front court in the conference by far and away. It's a very scary uh, front court. Uh, my big question, what's in the backcourt? And, and you have someone that is Kibo Shuma 3 and Brock Miller. Alfonso Anderson had the uh, glimpses in the first half last season of, of some strength. You have to keep it up throughout the course of the entire season. And also Virginia transfer Marco Anthony he is someone that is definitely showing improvement and he, he has experience in a very, very good system in, in Virginia. And he will come in and provide some, some good minutes. And I think it's going to be what the backcourt does to rectify the balance of this team overall. If this is a balanced team, if Miller, Anderson, Anthony, they bring the as good quality as Caden and Bean, Bean will bring, this team can win the Mountain West Conference title. I don't think there's a doubt about that. Uh, but um, to me, and I know to you as well, because you pick them as well to win the title, San Diego State is a team that who are three-fourths of the scholarship players are juniors or seniors. And that already is a big advantage that they have. Yes, Matt Mitchell is definitely going to be the leader of this team. Now, I watch every single San Diego State game that is nationally televised because the Mountain West stinks and they don't always uh, get their, their games nationally televised despite having very good programs. All right, there's my little Mountain West rant. Uh, 
Matt Mitchell, he's going to be the leader of this team. He, he's, he really transformed himself into a dynamic player last year. Uh, in previous years, he always had to be a guy uh, low in the paint because he was a bigger guy. But going into last year, he lost over 30 pounds, really transitioned himself into a player who could play outside, can shoot three, can drive it home, can, can make moves. He really transitioned himself into not just a basketball player, but a playmaker last year. He's going to be another conference player of the year favorite now. We both sided with Kata, but Matt Mitchell, he's certainly going to have to carry some of the slack that will be lost with Malachi Flynn, Yanni Wetzel, and KJ Fagan. All three of those guys were transfers coming into last year. Everyone knew that the SDSU team had the potential to be good, but with the performance of those three players last year, they really transitioned themselves into one of the best teams in the nation, which not even a single San Diego State fan was expecting. All three of those guys, they're gone. Yanni Wetzel and KJ Fagan, they graduated. Malachi Flynn, projected first-round draft pick. So those guys, they're gone. Who else is going to step up for San Diego State? Now, they also have Jordan Shackle, a really good three-point shooter. He might be the best three-point shooter in the conference now that Justinian Jessup for Boise State has graduated. And there's a lot of belief around the program that Kashad Johnson, uh, he was a freshman last year, is going to step up. Now, on a normal San Diego State team that's not you know nationally ranked and is getting some national championship hype, He's going to be playing around 20 minutes per game. But last year, the team was so deep, he rarely saw the court. Now, in the rare occurrences where he did play, he showed that he's a very talented forward. He's going to step in and possibly be a replacement for Yanni Wetzel in that in that four slot. He can play defense. He can shoot the ball a bit, and he's very explosive. He is a player that San Diego State believes is going to take a step up and average, uh, and he's going to be a double-digit scorer. And also coming back, is Nathan Mensa. Nathan Mensa, he was one of the best players on the San Diego State team in 2018 as a freshman. 2019, played early on in the year. He helped out in their wins over Iowa and uh, in, in Creighton, who were both two really good teams last year. And San Diego State not only beat them, they crushed both those teams. He also was a big part of their win at BYU, who wasn't as good early on in the year as they were towards the, uh, the West Coast Conference play. Nathan Metza battled some health issues, didn't play the back half of the year. He will be returning. Those health issues are behind him. Mensa will be a big part of this team's success and why San Diego State could definitely retain that Mountain West Conference championship. Now, will they hang their Mountain West Conference champions banner uh, with three games left in the regular season this year? I don't think so. I think it's going to come down to the wire, and I don't think they're going to do that after that's how they lost their game to UNLV. But I definitely think San Diego State – will be Mount West Conference champions again. And CSUN Chancellor Terrell Gomez, he brings in instant shooting this team as well. Um, someone that is top 10 in the country last year in three-point percentage, um, top the country in free throw percentage. You could definitely put the ball um, in the hoop for sure. And you pretty much nailed the entire freaking breakdown right there. Uh, I'll just add this. Uh, experienced teams are everything in college basketball. You could have all kinds of depth. And we, we love those teams. Versatile teams can be really, really good as well. Uh, and just having a really talented starting five can be very beneficial as well. But when you have experience on top of all of that, it just adds another dimension because let's not forget that we're still talking about younger players um, and freshmen and sophomores that may not be used to um, high-quality Division One college basketball, one, 
and also some of the late game situations they're going to run into. I think that they, those Joker players could struggle at times. And the Aztecs will have no problems with that because they have those juniors and seniors that can definitely do that. Um, I definitely like this team as well to win this conference championship. I think it's between them and Utah State. Uh, I think the gap between that is uh, pretty big, quite frankly. And I do like both of these teams to uh, find a way to get in the tournament. I think that Utah State will have to uh, play on the bubble a little bit, but I definitely like two bids here. What do you, what do you think, Don? Yeah, I think it can be a two-bid conference. Uh, you certainly won't see San Diego State being that one, two, or even three seed that they were last year. I think they can, They have the potential to be around a nine or a ten. And then Utah State slotting in right around the bubble uh, like they were last year. Now, of course, they ended up winning the conference championship, which we don't need to talk about. Uh, so they ended up they ended up locking in a spot that, of course, never happened. So I certainly think those two teams are the favorites in this conference. Like I mentioned, clear one and two in this conference. And then we have three and four. And then, you know, Boise, Fresno, and the rest of the conference down there. Uh, Mountain West basketball, it's always pretty entertaining. A uh, lot of defense in this conference. So we'll see. Another team to look out for, Air Force. Uh, they, they shot the ball really well last year. Uh, there were some games where they put up 80, 90 points. But uh, there will also be some games where they would just get absolutely locked down. We'll see what they look like this year. I think they're a team that could definitely shoot up into a middle-tiered team. Uh, they're definitely losing some experience, but uh, they, they still have some shooters around. So. We'll see. Uh, I, I love Mountain West basketball. You know, of course, I am, I am tied to it with San Diego State, but uh, it's a good conference, and we'll, we'll see how it looks this year with San Diego State not being as dominant and Utah State really losing their, their best player. But uh, we both highlighted Kata as conference player of the year. And Utah State will be one of those teams that um, will be def- will be fine for one of those final spots, perhaps in a first four situation in Dayton but definitely a team that can get into the NCAA tournament alongside the Aztecs. And it's going to be a very interesting conference because, I mean, we both mentioned the top, top two, the Aztecs and Aggies. I like Boise State up there. I know you were a little bit lower on the Broncos. And then UNLV, Colorado State, and, of course, our six-page projections. You can find that on our Twitter, at College Bonanza. So thank you for watching, for listening. First to a show in the books. And, you know, of course, since you're still here, and, I'm, and I hope you still are, thanks, by the way, for staying with us. There's a whole playlist of episodes and season periods. You can go ahead and check all those out as well, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd very much appreciate that. For Dominic Stern, I'm Nicholas Hodel. Have a good day, night, whenever you're listening, from wherever you are in the world. <laughs>